power of the promise of a better resurrection. The power of the promise of the coming of the Messiah. The power of the promise of a new heaven and a new earth and the new Jerusalem. Nobody ever promises people that. No. Only the Lord our God does. And that's a big thing that he can promise you eternity in glory. It's very big. It says the following. Luke chapter 9, 24, 25. The Bible says, verse 24. Make sure you mention Luke. I will kick you out. Luke chapter 9, 24, 25. You mention full scripture so they know what you're reading. Luke chapter 9, verse 24 to 25. The Bible says, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? There you go. In the process of gaining the world, the Old Testament saints that are glorious before the Lord, they lost the world, they lost their homes, they even lost their families. But this church has changed the gospel. They have changed the original gospel of Jesus that they are preaching another. The original gospel of Jesus did not promise false hopes. This generation have promised them false hope. So they come and live another life. The original gospel of Jesus says the following. Whoever wants to be my follower must hate his wife, hate his husband, hate his children, hate his family. The original gospel of Jesus. Tomorrow we will, maybe after tomorrow, I hope tomorrow, we'll handle that when I handle the pulpit. He says, examine yourself. Second Corinthians 13, 5. Wherefore, examine one another to check if you are, to see if you are still in faith. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. The Bible says, Second Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do, not, do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. So now, this generation must test themselves. Because if the Old Testament saints that did not see the coming of the Messiah to go to the cross, if they can live a more glorious life like that, and this generation, the church falls below, then you have to examine yourself if you are still in the right faith. Yesterday I said that this generation is a, a, a new Jesus, a modern Jesus has walked into the church. And that modern Jesus is right now in there and they are worshipping him. And that modern Jesus is very sweet talking. That modern Jesus is very understanding. He understands. Even sin he will understand. There is a modern Jesus in the church today. And he has brought forth a modern salvation. Whereby, the grace of Jesus is like a license for sin. 
license for sinning permission to sin and I say that the modern Jesus that they are now preaching in the church is one who as though he will understand he will understand don't beat yourself too hard with you will understand and so as though he accommodates sin he's accommodative This generation have allowed a modern Jesus to walk into the church and sit there. A Jesus who is not judgmental, no. He, he does not judge. He will not judge sin. And yet we know very well that when I saw the Lord, when the Lord appeared to me in the sky, on the right hand side of the sky and walked across, he had a crown and he had a golden sash around his chest and a red robe. And that red robe represents the events you see in Isaiah 63, 1-5 when he's coming from Bosra and he has crushed his enemies. He has judged them. He has pressed the wine press and they have spattered on his garment. That red robe is the one you see in Revelation chapter 19, verse 13 when he's coming with a sword to judge. The Jesus we worship, he judges sin. He is holy. He died on the cross to take the judgment of God on sin. That is how severe it is. But this generation, Ugando con pecado, they are playing around with sin. Bringando con pecado. And so, John chapter 8, begin reading 21-24. John chapter 8, verse 21-24. The Bible says, John chapter 8, verses 21-24. The Bible says, Once more, Jesus said to them, I am going away, and you will look for me, and you will die in your sin." You will die in your sins. Where I go, you cannot come. 22. These made the Jews ask, Will he kill himself? Is that why he says, Where I go, you cannot come? But he continued, You are my... Make sure you mention the verses so they, they are different languages going. Verse 23. But he continued, You are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. Nuestra Jesucristo, nuestra Salvador, is from above. Our Lord Jesus is from above. His gospel is from above. His salvation is from above. The Christianity brought us is from above. But right now, there is another gospel that is from below. That is connecting this generation of Christians to the earth. And the wealth of the earth. Wealth and health. The more supposedly the better. He's saying he's from above. And the devil is from below. Continue verse 24. Verse 24. 
Listen to that. Listen to verse 24. I told you that you would die in your sins. I told you you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am he, you will indeed die in your sins. So, he's saying there are two types of death. Revelation chapter 14 verse 13 he says, I am reading Revelation 14 13 he says, Apocalypse 14, 3, and he says, Then I heard a voice from heaven say, Write this. Remember, John has been writing, right? If you go to Revelation chapter 1, verse 19, he was told to write. Revelation 21, verse 5, he is told to write. And now he's being told, Write this. Apocalypse 1, 19, write this. Apocalypse 21, 5, write this. Akitambien, write this. Meaning, this is now serious. This is now getting serious. This is too serious. He said, write this. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. He's saying there are two types of death. He says there, I warned you that you die in your sins. He said there, I warned you that if you don't repent, you die in your sins. And he's saying that there's another death here where now you die in the Lord. And he's saying there are only two types of death. Either you die in the Lord or you die in your sins. And he's saying the two are polar differences. He's saying that the devil has lied to this generation and trivialized eternity. Trivializer has trivialized eternity. Ah, don't worry, it's not that serious. And yet he's saying eternity is not a joke. There are only two types of death. He said, I warned you that you die in your sins if you don't repent. And yet he said, blessed are those who die in the Lord. There are only two types of death. And he's saying that, oh my, you should realize what the stark difference is. You would never play with sin. That if for any reason you make a mistake and die with your sins, oh my Lord, it is finished. It would be unbelievable. We read yesterday what happens in hell. And it happens eternally. Eternally there is no coming out. I, and he's saying that far. And then this other end, there is dying in the Lord. And he's saying that punishment, judgment against sin, Jesus carried it all on the cross for you. On the cross for you. And he took the judgment 
you were supposed to take on the cross all all the sins of all men plus those not yet born on the cross Jesus carried the sins of all men such that if you die in the Lord holy and repentant and born again proper you you you, you walk you walk through that door of death like this Revelation chapter 9, verse 27, it says that death is merely a door. Death is merely a door. That when you die, then you now walk through that door. And then accountability begins responsibility accountability he's saying if you walk through that door death and you die in the Lord Jesus carried all your sins on the cross eternal celebration in heaven eternal celebration in the kingdom of God I'm saying eternal I don't know that you understood the word eternal Eternal. And he said, however, if you make a mistake and play with sin like the present day church and the present day generation plus the present day church that is playing with sin. If you make a mistake and play with sin, and by the time you die, you die in your sins, not in the Lord. It is unbelievable to stand before the Lord, before the white throne judgment of God, while you are carrying all your sins. It is just unbelievable. The judgment meted there is unbelievable. And yet the opportunity is here. For you to be born again properly and shed your sins. Not to be born again and go pick your sins again. Are we together? This is serious. So the casual Christian life you see in Europe and Africa, casual, is peligroso, very deadly. Mucho, mucho peligroso. Muy, muy peligroso. And then Matthew 25, Matthew 25, I can begin from verse 10. If you want, you can read verses 1 up to, 20, up to 13, but 10 on is good enough for and in a hurry. The Bible says, the book of Matthew 25 from verse 10, But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet. And the door was shut. Later, the others also came. The dangers of living a casual Christian life. These are people in the church that she's talking about. These are people inside the church. They are the foolish virgins. They are inside the church. Read in a hurry, finish. 
verse 11. Later the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. 12. But he replied, truly I tell you, I don't know you. To tell you the truth, I do not know you. A but, casual Christian life says the following. <laughs> A casual Christian life says the following. That if you take the sangre de Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, and you add codicia sexualis, sexual lust to it, is equal to hell. Let me put it better. If you take the light of salvation, and you add to it the darkness of the devil. It is always equal to darkness. Why? Because the blood of Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice. Ultimate. There is no higher. And so, if you abuse the blood of Jesus, there is no other sacrifice available for you. Let me just read this in a hurry. Before she continues with that scripture, let me read the book of Hebrews says, Hebrews says, let me read in a hurry. Yo lea rapidamente, Hebrews says, versículo cuatro al seis, he says the following. Hebrews chapter six, four to six, he says the following. He says, Hebrews six, four to six, he says, it is impossible. If I were you and I meet the word impossible, I underline it. In Spanish, they say, no es posible. Impossible. No es posible. No, it's not possible. So if you meet that, you underline that. Impossible. It says, it is impossible for those who have, those who have once been enlightened, those who have tasted the heavenly gift, those who have shared in the Holy Spirit, those who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age. And if they fall away, it is impossible for them to be brought back to repentance. Why? Because to their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again. And subjecting him to public disgrace. Hebrews chapter 10, 26, 31. Hebrews 10, 26, 31. It says, the key word there, deliberamente. It says, if we deliberately keep on sinning, after we have received the knowledge of the truth. If you meant deliberately, you underline it. If we deliberately keep on sinning, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think 
a man or someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God under his foot, who has treated as an holy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace. For we know him who said, It is mine to avenge, I will repay. And again, the Lord said, It's a dreadful thing. And again, and again, the Lord who judges people, it's a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Pangesh, you put some water here. It's a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And then a third warning is Second Peter chapter 2. Second Peter chapter 2, a third warning. In a hurry, put on the table there. Second Peter chapter 2, verses 19 to table is this table here. Second Peter chapter 2, 19 to 22. Disinueve. Segunda Pedro, capítulo 2, versículo 19 al 22, por favor. Second Peter chapter 2, 19 to 22 says, They promised them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity. For a man is a slave of whatever has mastered him. If they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and then they are again entangled in it and overcome by that same corruption, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on them. Of them the Proverbs is true. A dog returns to his vomit and a pig, a sow that has been washed returns to wallowing in the mud. Three warnings by the Lord on the dangers of a casual Christian life. The dangers of living a Christian life normally, just casually, normally. He says it's unbelievable. If you take the grace of Jesus and then abuse the grace of Jesus the way the modern day church is abusing the grace. He says it's unbelievable danger. There is no more sacrifice that can save you. Because the ultimate sacrifice is the blood of Jesus and then you abuse it. And when the Lord Jesus appeared to me in the sky, the first thing he showed me is the nail pierce. Meaning, go and tell them not to forget this. Go and tell them that even if when I look at them, I see as if they are calling for a second Calvary. Even if when I look at them, I see as if they are crying for a second deliverance. 
Even if when I look at them, I see as if they are saying that the first blood, the first Calvary was not sufficient in power to totally deliver them from sin. However, just run and tell them and say that please, the Lord says, just be born again perfectly with the first Calvary. There is no second Calvary. Because right now, he has defecto. Mucha defecto. Scars and wounds. They abuse. He cannot be accepted as a perfect sacrifice anymore. Even if Jesus himself is looking at the church, even if Jesus himself looks at the church and sees how desperate she is mixed with sin, how desperate her condition is, requiring a second Calvary. Even if Jesus himself looks at the church and sees that she needs the second deliverance and decides in himself that he wants to go and die for her again, he cannot be accepted. He cannot be accepted to die for the church again. Right now he has defect. He has scars and wounds. The dangers of a casual Christian life. Unbelievable. So, you see Jesus warning there that there are two types of death. He warned them, say, you will die in your sins if you fool around. And then Revelation 14, 13 says, there are only two types of death. Either you die in the Lord or you die where? Or you die in your sins. Let me finish with that Revelation 13, 14, 13 before we move on. And he says something very powerful there. Revelation 14, 13. If you allow me. He says the following. Then I heard a voice from heaven. Senor mismo. Dios mismo dice. Senor spoke. Then I heard a voice from heaven. The Lord spoke. The voice from heaven say. Write. Write this. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. From now on. And remember during this time that the Lord is talking about. At this time. There is a slaughter. If you go to verse 7 of the same scripture, verse 7. Verse 7 it says, of the same scripture. Hallelujah. There is persecution. There is persecution at this time. Focus on me. Let me contextualize for you this so you understand better this instruction. At this time, there is persecution. There is a slaughter. Anybody worshipping Christ, there is a slaughter. This is when the Lord, make sure, make sure she's ready to read the scripture there. I don't have time. My chariot take charge. So, that at this time, there is persecution. And he's saying, still in that, make sure you die in the Lord than to die in sin. And then he says, why? Why are you blessed when you die in the Lord? Now he has taken death and blessings and put together. Why has he said so? He says because of the following reason. He said, yes, says the Spirit of the Lord, they will rest from their labor for their deeds will follow them. They will rest from their labor. For their deeds will follow them. My Lord. 
they were living with Christ. So what is he saying? Focus on me. <laughs> Focus on me, blessed people. Let me just explain this. He's saying the salvation of Christ. If you're walking in the right salvation of Christ, you must be persecuted. Number two, he's saying it is not, not easy to walk with Jesus in this generation. And that's why in Titus chapter 2, if you read verse 11 to 13, he says, to wait for the coming Christ in this age. Meaning, in this age it will not be possible. A rotten age. A sinful age. A wicked generation. He's saying, in other words, it is not easy to serve the Lord in this age. You'll be persecuted. You'll be forsaken. You'll be abused. He's saying, why are they blessed when they die in the Lord? Because they will rest from their labor. They will rest from persecution. They will rest from blackmail. They will rest from always running while people want to kill them. Remember, in the times of the great tribulation, if you don't have the mark of the beast, it may not be possible to do commerce, to buy or sell. And that is quite ter terrible. But if we go back during the Roman times, during the Roman times, those that were walking with Jesus, it was very hard for them to buy and sell or do business. Why? Because you had to belong to a trade union. You had to belong to a trade union to do commerce. So if they found out that you worshipped Jesus and you are holy and you refuse to renounce your faith, you could not because you have to enter the trade union to do trade or to have some income. So he's saying that if you are walking correct with Jesus today and you get a job as an accountant in Kenya, in Nigeria, in Italy, in USA, in South Korea, wherever. And then they tell you to cook the books for some corruption, for some big money to be taken. If you refuse, they will kick you out. It is not easy to walk with Jesus at this time. And to serve him. That's what he's saying. Number two, he's saying that when we are born again, we are called to service. To go and evangelize the streets. To stop every car with a handbill and give. Thank you. Can I talk to you about Jesus? Can I give you this? Ah, get away. I don't want whatever. Some spit on your face or they pour coffee on your face as they drive away. He's saying there is a persecution in the streets. You knock the door. Kong, Kong, Kong. Open. What is it? I want, can I come in? Why? I want to talk about, I'm an evangelist. I want to talk about Jesus. Bah! A door. Pastoring. Evangelism. He's saying it's not easy. Luxembourg is sleeping. It's not easy to be a pastor in this age. 
That's what he's saying. But he's also saying, Hallelujah, that this is the only time to serve Jesus. This is the only time to evangelize Jesus. That when you get to heaven, there will be no evangelizing of Jesus. So he's saying, blessed are those who die, who sleep in the Lord, who die in the Lord. Why? Because he says, number one, they will rest from their labors. No more persecution, abuse, and persecution, whatever. Number two, that their deeds will follow them there. Their deeds will follow them there. Yes, says the Spirit, they will rest from their labor, for their deeds will follow them there. Hey, please focus on me. I mean, for a moment, I know there are Latin languages here. I don't want to slide that. He's saying the following. That when they were in Egypt, they labored very heavy. And then the Lord brought them into God's rest. So they rested from their labor. And he's saying, before you clap, that when Jesus was on the earth here, he labored for the Lord. And the reason he labored is because placed right in front of him was tremendous reward, the promise of the Lord, the promise of glory. And then, that is, read for them, the book of, read for them, uh, uh, that is Romans chapter 12, uh, Hebrews chapter 12, 1 and 2. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. If not, I move on. The Bible says, Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a, such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Verse 2, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him. For the joy set before him. He endured the cross. He endured the cross and the shame. Continue. Scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So he's saying that even Jesus, he labored for the Lord. And when he finished, he went into the rest of the Lord. Don't, before you clap, <laughs> even the servants of the Lord, and in this generation, you are privileged, you can see some walking here. They always labor for the Lord and then enter God's rest. Even the old Testament saints. They labored for the Lord and then entered God's rest. Even Lazarus, the poor man that was with wounds and dogs are leaking. Longing to eat the crumbs that have fallen under the table. 
Lazarus also labored for the Lord before he entered God's rest with Abraham. With Abraham. And he's saying, for this generation, you want to enter eternity? What labor have you labored for the Lord? For him to allow you to enter, to go now and rest this cancer. This generation of Christians want to enter God's rest without laboring for the Lord? Without persecution? How will that be possible? He says, because their deeds will follow them there. What deeds will follow you there? Everybody loved you in that city. All the members of your church loved you. This is serious. Okay, Isaiah chapter 6 verse 10 real quick. The Bible says, the book of Isaiah chapter 6 verse 10. The Bible says, Make the heart of these people calloused and make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. That is serious, blessed people. So now, I want us to finish. So, all of you, Second Samuel chapter Second Samuel chapter 14, verse 14. In summary of what we've seen today. The Bible says, the book of Second Samuel. Okay, so read it very fast. Chapter 14. Verse 14. Verse 14, the Bible says, Like water spilled on the ground, which cannot be recovered, so we must die. But that, that is not what God desires. Rather, he, devise, he devises ways so that a banished person does not remain banished from him. And then Isaiah 53, he comes now to remove them from that fall. Isaiah 53, 8 and 9 and so forth. You have read that before. And then in this vision, he presents two types of people, two resurrections. One for heaven, one for damnation. In other words, he's saying there are only two destinations. So the Lord Almighty is asking this church to be born again. The present day church to repent, turn away from sin, and be born again proper. As I finish, Jesus always wanted the church to participate in the first resurrection, blessed people. And we have seen the importance of this resurrection as being the foundation of our faith and the hope of our faith. We have seen, if you get a chance, just read one more scripture, then we finish. The book of Acts chapter 17, verse 30, 31, that that resurrection is the one that appointed him to be the judge that is coming. The Bible says, the book of Acts, chapter 17, verse 
one, the Bible says, in the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he demands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. So resurrection was the most important preaching of all the apostles of Jesus, right? So you also need to go back home and now start preaching only resurrection. And when they hear that, they will now have hope. They will know that we are totally different from the rest of the world. The Muslims, none of their gods was resurrected. The Hindus, none of their god has been resurrected. For us, our god has been resurrected. Read for me Matthew, Matthew chapter 16, 21, and then I want Romans 1, 4, and Luke 24, 46. I want, first of all, real quick, Matthew 16, 21. The Bible says, Matthew chapter 16, verse 21, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and on the third day, be raised to life. So resurrection is the one that revealed the divine nature of God, the divine nature of Jesus as God because he defeated death. I'm now summarizing my way out. Resurrection is the greatest miracle of all miracles. Resurrection is also the greatest wonder of all wonders. When they asked him, what sign will you give us? He said, destroy this temple and in three days I will build it. The sign he gave them is resurrection. Hallelujah. I'm now finishing. Resurrection in Matthew 12, 39. The Bible says, the book of Matthew chapter 12, verse 29. 39. Verse 39, the Bible says, He answered, A wicked an adulterous generation asks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Very powerful. That claim, exclusive claim. The book of Acts chapter 13, 28, is too long a read. I don't know how much you read. He claimed right there that he will be resurrected. And then, we have seen that resurrection is the one that defines the destination of mankind. Heaven. And for those who don't believe, inferno. Resurrection of the Lord is the one that offered the church a perfect model for sacrificial Christian living. Because now with that hope, you can undergo anything and sacrifice your lives. I have a lot of scriptures here. I cannot read them because of time. 
Resurrection is the one that Jesus will use to recompense the earth. Those who have done right and those who have done evil. That is the distinction. That those who have done well, right, holy, will be given that gift of resurrection for glory. And those who have sinned, resurrection for judgment. I'm just walking through as I finish. Resurrection of Jesus is what should instruct our preachings today. Everywhere globally. Resurrection is the greatest promise that God ever gave the church. Thank you for those who are writing. Thank you for those who are writing, not staring at me. Resurrection is the greatest promise that God ever gave the church. I have scripture, but we don't have time, so we cannot read. Resurrection, the gift of resurrection, is the one that teaches the church to live a heavenly focused life. Hallelujah. Resurrection that is promised to the church is the one that teaches the church to ignore the present day life. To ignore. To ignore Esther Vida the Esther Ora. And focus on the coming life resurrection of Jesus. I'm simply checking out now. The resurrection of Jesus and the promised resurrection to the church is the one that has come out so plainly and openly to instruct us and teach us and inform us that this world is not our home. Not our home at all. Resurrection. Resurrection is what tells us that as we live here, therefore, because this world is not our home, as we live here, therefore, we now must now plan for our future life while we are here. Hallelujah. Is anybody gaining a word or two? Thank you, Finland, for gaining. <laughs> Very powerful. Resurrection is the one that teaches us to rubbish this life and focus on the heavenly life. Resurrection teaches us that this life, this world is not our home. Helps us to live a sacrificial Christian life. Resurrection is the power of the gospel. That's why the apostles of Jesus, they preached resurrection. And that God for had power. And that's why the servants of God have come preaching another kingdom, a coming kingdom with power. Yesterday, blind eyes opened here in China. Resurrection is the power of the gospel. Because that makes the gospel superior Beyond this world. Beyond this life. Resurrection. Is the power of the gospel. It makes the gospel lift us beyond this earth. Hallelujah. Amen.